This week we're continuing our The Blessing series. We've been walking through the life of Abraham. Robert's been taking us through it. And I have the honor of going the next chapter forward with us uh, in The Blessing series. So I just want to jump in this morning to, Abra- or, uh, to Genesis 17. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Genesis 17. This is the portion of Abraham's life where actually he's renamed from Abram to Abraham. So this is the section where he, he gets renamed. And I think that the, the names are interesting things. You know, sometimes they're given, sometimes they're earned, but they always carry a piece of identity with them. And so it was years ago, I was in England at a Bible school, and I met my friend Max. Now, Max is a literal Nephilim. And what I mean by that is he's like 6'5 and like yoked, like an absolute unit of a man, goes to the gym like three times a day, and I'm like, dude, you can stop. Like, you have no more need for this, you know? Like, other people go to the gym to get somewhere. You have arrived. You're done, you know? But he, he eats like enough to feed a small village, like every meal. You know, he's one of those guys, just absolutely massive dude. Um, so anyway, we, we became really great friends, and my wife, she says it's because we have so much in common. She's sitting right there on the front row. If you can see her, right there. Yeah. Um, she says we have so much in common. Uh, but I love Max. And so for New Year's, we decided that we wanted to go to Paris uh, to ring in the New Year, right? And so we get to Paris, and we, we got this great view of the Eiffel Tower, and we're standing in this courtyard with a railing, uh, and the courtyard's probably bigger than this entire tent. It's a massive courtyard. And so we're hanging out there. And New Year's goes off. Yay, whoopee, New Year's. And then we have to go back home, and we have to ride the metro to get home. The problem is the metro is on the other side of the courtyard. And during the New Year's celebration, this courtyard had filled with so many people, it would make your COVID PTSD go wild, right? Um, They were so packed together. I had never seen a sea of people this tight. I was like, there's no possible way that we're going to cross this and get to the metro station on the other side. And so we devised this plan, right? There's like three guys and, and six girls in our group. And so the guys are like, all right, grab one of the girls. You're going to protect them with your life. Or grab two girls. You're going to protect them with your life as we cross this massive sea of, of people and meet in front of the metro. So I grabbed two of my friends. I'm like, all right, we're going to do this. Pray to the Lord. Let's go. And so we squeeze into this group. And literally, I'm not even kidding. This group was so tight that they were pressing up against me, and I'm, I could not even breathe. Like, I was like, my air was getting pushed out of me. I'm like, oh, my gosh. And you'd think it would be easy to protect your friends. It's actually not because this, this person just got split off my arm and, like, off into the, the sea of people. Like, no. You know, then I'm like, oh, I got one left, you know. I got one. I only have one job, and, and I'm failing, you know. And then this person, too just gets smeared off of me. I'm like, no. And so I'm, I'm like swirling around in the sea of people, just like don't even know what's happening anymore. And I get spit out on the other side, right in front of the metro. And I'm like, Max, I lost my friends. You know, I lost them. They're gone, you know. Well, praise the Lord, we're all adults. And so they, they made it to the, right in front of the metro as well. Um, and so we're like, okay, great. We got to go. We got to go home. So we go down, and metro's a subway. Um, and so we go downstairs uh, to the underground, and the train, if you've ever been on a metro or subway before, it rolls up, the doors open for like 10 seconds, and then they close and it leaves. And it's not that wide. It's about like as wide as the stage here, right? And so it rolls up, the doors open, and the metro is packed. 
with like hundreds of people in this tube. And I'm like, there's no way we're going to even squeeze onto this thing. Like, I'm, I'm going to have so much unbelief right here. And Max sees this small, like, little bubble of space in the back, back corner. He's like, that's where we're going. And so he just plows through people, right? And he creates this wake. And so, like, we all, like, huddle in behind his wake, you know? And so we make it into this little corner. I'm, like, pressed up against the window, just, like, trying to suck air from somewhere, you know? And, and we're, we're riding this metro, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, our stop is coming up. And I can barely move, nonetheless, get off this train. And the, the train opens for, like, a, an anxiety-filled 10 seconds, and it's closed and gone, right? So I'm like, I got 10 seconds to get off this thing. I have no idea how we're going to do this. And so we pull up at our stop, and Max, again, doors open. He just boom, 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 just plows through everybody, right? Creates this big old wake. And then I'm just getting all our friends. I'm pushing them through the wake. I'm like, go, go, go. So I'm squeezing everyone through this little hole. And the last person, I push them through. And the crowd just closes on my arm. I'm like, I can't even pull it out. It's so tight, right? I'm like, no. I'm like, I'm stuck. Like, literally, just the hopelessness just filled me. I'm like, oh, no. I'm, like, floating through, like, this dark mind state. I'm like, I'm going to have to get off at the next stop and then get back on and come back. My friends are going to leave me. I'm in Paris alone. Like, this is the worst, you know. So I'm just, like, giving up all hope. And then all of a sudden, I just am awakened by this grip on my on my wrist. I'm like, what is that? And then I start getting pulled through the crowd. And I popped out the other side. And Max is holding me up. He's like, I got you, buddy. I'm like dangling. I'm like, Max! Max earned a new name that day. And from that day forward, everyone at the school called him Maximus, the deliverer. Because he delivered us from the womb of the train. And so Max earned his name, Max the deliverer. But I find that people are always giving out names to each other and based on what you do. And, you know, let's just say you're a person who's made a lot of money in this life. Well, someone might name you successful. Let's just say that you're a person and you've been unfaithful. Well, someone will name you a cheater. Let's say you're a person and you take things that don't belong to you, right? Someone will name you a thief. And people are always so willing to hand out names to each other. And oftentimes... They're earned, and oftentimes they're not earned, but we wear them every day. And this morning, what I want to submit to us is that there really is only one person, one being who can give us our true name. Amen. That's God. So let's pray real quick, all right? Father, we love you. We bless you. Be here with us, God. Open our hearts up to the names that you're giving us, to who you are and what you're doing. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, let's jump in. So Genesis chapter 17, verse 1, we're going to start here. It says, when Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am El Shaddai, God Almighty. Serve me faithfully and live a blameless life. I will make a covenant with you by which I will guarantee to give you countless descendants. Now, before we start on who we are and our names, I, I want to focus on who God is. Because this, I'm just following the text here, guys. Because the very, very first thing in this text that God says, he goes, it says he appears to Abraham, Abraham or Abram at this time, and he says, I am El Shaddai, God Almighty. This is who I am. This is my name. And you have to know me before you can possibly know yourself. And so God is saying, this is who I am. I am El Shaddai. And my first point is this. 
God's greatest desire is for us to know him and to be known by him. That's number one. That is the number one. If you don't get anything else today, that is what I want you to walk away with, is that God wants to know you, and he wants to be known by you. I mean, it's the, it's the entire narrative of the Bible. If you've read, if you're a student of Scripture, all throughout the Bible, God is calling us to him. In, in the beginning, he created Adam and Eve, and he walked among the people, and he said, I want to know you, I want to talk with you, I want to walk with you. When he called Abram out, he said, Abram, come, you're, you're just to be my people, and I want to know you. And then the people, they did all sorts of wicked and terrible things, and and. I think a great place to, to learn our relationship with God and who God is to us actually comes out of the book of Hosea. So we're going to stop there for just a second, but I just want to go there uh, to examine who God is, who we are, and how God is to us. And so in Hosea chapter 1, Hosea, God says to Hosea, marry a prostitute because this is what it's like trying to love you. You're constantly betraying me. You're constantly unfaithful to me. And that, he's saying this is what it's like. This is what we are like, you know, when we're always walking away from him. And then he says to Hosea, and this is interesting, he says, name your children. Notice the usage of names. He says, name your children lo ruhama, which means not loved, and lo ami, which means not my people. Because this is the identity that you've chosen for yourself when you walk away from me. You're choosing to say, I, I don't want to be loved by the most high. I don't want to be your people. And so God's saying, this is the name that you're wearing. So this is what we're going to call you. And I feel like some of us are here in that moment this morning. You're in a place where you're saying, I am Lo Ruhama. That's my name. I don't, maybe, maybe you don't even know God. Maybe this is your first Sunday. Maybe you walked away from God a long time ago and you said, I don't feel loved by God. I don't feel I don't feel like I know him. I don't feel like I'm his people. I don't feel like these people are my people. And what I want to say this morning is that God has a new identity for you. That's his heart. He wants to know you. He has a new name for you. And we're going to see this as we look briefly into Hosea. But this is our God. I'm, I'm, I'm bringing this up to explain who God is because we've walked away. That is who we are. Like, we've walked away. And this is what it says in Hosea chapter 2. And it says, and this is interesting because by no account of the people, they didn't repent or anything, God says, I'm coming for you. I'm coming for you because you're my bride. You know, Hosea 2, in the beginning it says, Then I will win her back once again. I will lead her into the desert and speak tenderly to her there. I will return her vineyards to her and transform the valley of trouble into a gateway of hope. You see that, guys? He's saying, I'm going to win her back. I'm coming back for you because I need you. I love you. I want you. I'm going to transform all your trouble into a gateway of hope. That's God. He's coming for us. And at the end of this chapter, in chapter 2, verse 23 or something like that, um, he says, I will make you my wife forever, showing you righteousness and justice, unfailing love and compassion. I will be faithful to you. He's saying, he's saying this to a unfaithful people. He's saying, I will be faithful to you and make you mine. And you will finally know me as the Lord. You will finally know me as the Lord. That's God's heart for us. It's to know him. When he says to Abram, when he says, I am El Shaddai, God Almighty, what he's really saying is, I want you to know me. I want you to know who I am. Right? And church, this 
is the first blessing of identity. And if you don't know God, then this is your stop. This is, this is where you get off the train, right? This is, if you, you can totally disregard everything else I'm about to say because this is where I want you to camp. If you do not know God, God wants to know you. And he's got a new name for you this morning. Saved, loved, beloved. This is for you. God wants to know you. And at the end of, I love the end of this scripture because it says, the Lord says, I will show love to those I called Loruhama, not loved. And those I called not my people, I will say, now you are my people. You see, God is not going to let you live with your old name. He's constantly renaming you. As he gives you identity, he renames you from Loruhama to loved, from Loami to my people. And it says, and they will reply, you are our God. That's his heart, right? That's his heart. He's saying, all I want is to love you and for you to reply to me and say, you are my God. And so God is trying to give you love this morning. And I encourage you to take it. That's your purpose. And so let's jump back to our story uh, with Abram in Genesis 17.1. So God appears to him and he says, I am El Shaddai. Right? He says, this is who I am. Then he says, serve me faithfully and live a blameless life. Right? What does that mean? Another word for faithful was be committed to me. When he says, serve me faithfully, he's saying, hey, I just, I just want you to be committed. You know, you're, you go to and fro, you know, but I want to know you on your good days and on your bad days. I don't just want you to pray when you need something. You know, what kind of friendship is that when you're only coming to me when you need stuff? I want to know you all the time. Be committed to me. Then he says, walk away from your sin. If you're living in sin, just walk away from it. Live a blameless life. And praise the Lord for Jesus, our Savior. Praise the Lord for Jesus, for himself. Um, praise God that he died on the cross for us so that we can be forgiven of our sins. So that way, walking away from our sin, it's easy. It's just believing in Jesus and, and then living a pure life. And that can be hard, but there's forgiveness. There is forgiveness for you. And that's what God is asking. He says, be committed to me and walk a pure life. And then I will make a covenant with you by which I will guarantee to give you countless descendants. Number three, he says, then I'm going to make this covenant with you. This is a conditional. He says, know me as your God. Be faithful to me. And then I'm going to bless you. Because blessing always follows obedience. I want you to write that down. Blessing always follows obedience. And I'll be honest, guys, this week, it was, this was a tough week. I'm, uh, I had so much to do this past week. You ever have those weeks where you're like, I literally have so many things to do that I don't know how I'm going to feed myself. Does that, does that ever happen? You're like, I got to do this, I got to do that. And like, when am I going to eat? Um, maybe it's just me thinking about food all the time. But uh, one of the things I had to do this week was I had to get my car registration renewed. And typically, this is easy. You just go on the website and you just do it. But this time around, God wanted to enroll me in the School of Patience, which plug for a School of Transformation. We got a School of Leadership. And I'm going to be launching the School of Patience. You can enroll today. We're launching in 10 years. So School of Patience, make sure to be there. But I want to get my registration renewed. And... It was one of those weird years where I had to get my smog check. Well, to pass a smog, you need to have uh, your check engine light needs to be off. Well, my check engine light has been on for like a year. So I'm like, oh, my gosh, I got to go to the shop. Like, who's got time for this, right? And get this fixed. 
and pay all his money. So I'm like, oh my gosh, I don't have time or the money for this. So I go down to the shop, I drop it off, and they have it for like a week. It's like upwards of $1,000. I'm like, oh, it's just like, my goodness. And so I get it back, and this is over commission weekend, right? Uh, and I get it back, and I drive it for two days, and then the engine light pops back on. And I'm like, ah! God, I'm, I'm literally so mad. You know, I'm like, I'm like, who's got time for this? Who's got money for this? I got to go back down there, and who knows how much this is going to cost me. You know, like, oh, I'm just so upset. I'm like, I got to get you. My registration's already overdue at this point, you know. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. Like, what am I going to do here? And I just felt God saying, well, I'm at commission weekend, so obviously, you know, the spiritual, spirituality is, like, way heightened, right? So I'm like, okay, God, what do I do? <laughs> you know? Um, yeah, you can all relate. Uh, my like, God, what do I do? And I feel like God was just like, hey, man, your engine light came on for a reason. I got something for you down at the auto shop. I'm like, I don't really want to go back down there. He's like, you're going to have to. Like, I'm calling you there. I'm like, all right, all right, I'll be obedient. I'll go back down to the auto shop. I'll make an appointment. So I made an appointment for Wednesday. I'm like, okay, good. I'll go. So Tuesday comes along, right? And I'm just so slammed busy, right? I'm like, I can't even think about dropping my car off right now and, like, sharing a car and all this kind of thing. You know, I got to drive over there. It's a mess. I'm like, I, I'm going to just cancel my appointment and do it next week, you know, and, and do it some other time. This is me being a disobedient to, like, what God has told me to do. Right? I'm just like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it some other time. And so I cancel my appointment. I call him up. I'm like, hey, I'm not going to make it. I cancel my appoint, appointment. And then the next day, I'm sitting at home. I'm getting ready. Like, I'm like, I got to write this sermon. I got so much to do. I'm sitting at home. I'm just getting ready to jump into all this. And I hear this knock on my door. Boom, boom, boom. And it's like an aggressive knock. You know, it's not like a sweet, like, mailman knock. It's like someone's angry with me knock. I'm like, uh-oh, what is going on, you know? And I open the door. It's the cops. I'm like, hi, what's up? Am I in trouble? I'm a pastor. I'm, you know, hi, you know. Um, and he's like, is that your Ford Escape out there? I'm like, I don't know why he's Southern, but that's what he's, he's like, is that your Ford Escape out there? I'm like, uh, yeah. He's like, registration's overdue. I'm going to tow it. I'm like, at this point, I'm like, dude, just arrest me. Take me in. I'd rather sit in prison. Like, take me in my car, whatever. You know, I'm just like, oh, my gosh. Like, please don't tow my car. He's like, if you move it right now, I won't tow it. I'm like, Okay, so I called the guys. I'm like, I'm coming down right now. And I start drive straight. And be thankful that you were you and not me because when you want to be disobedient, I'm sure God's like, oh, yeah, grace. When I want to be disobedient, he's like, I'm sending the cops to your door. So, oh, my gosh. So I'm driving down. I'm driving down to the auto body shop, and I'm just so stressed out. I'm like, God, I'm trying to write this sermon for you, and I hate it when you interrupt my ministry to make me do things that you want me to do. I'm just like, oh, so upset. Then I'm like, all right, God, what's my assignment? You know, like, you want me to go down here? You want me to, like, who am I going to pray for? Who do I have to share the gospel with? Like, what, you, what am I, what's the purpose going, going on around here? So I pull up to the auto body shop, and I walk in, and I, I meet the car guy. His name's Joe. And Joe looks kind of like a lumberjack, you know, like, he kind of, imagine, like, if the rock was a Viking, you know, like that, you know, just like big manly beard, you know, and just like big old manly 
dirty calloused hands. Like, just this guy's like a, a unit, you know? I'm like, oh my gosh, Joe, what's up? And so I have my backpack on and, and I'm planning on do some, doing some work, but I just start talking to Joe. And Joe, for as gritty and gnarly as he is, it's an amazing guy. He just starts talking to me, and we start get, like chatting it up, and we start getting real with each other. He starts sharing his life with me. I start sharing my life. Eventually, we start talking about our faith, and I'm like, what? this is crazy. Joe, I'm standing there for like 30 minutes talking to this guy. And then he's asking me how my week is going. I'm like, dude, I'm stressed right now. And I'm like, Joe, will you pray for me? And Joe's like, Hudson, I'd love to. And he comes around his desk in the middle of his shop, lays his big old Viking hands on me, and just says this amazing blessing for me. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. I'm just receiving. I'm like, this is the best thing that has happened to me all week. Thank you, Lord, that I had to drop my car off here so that Joe could pray for me. Like, this is so good. And, and guys, it's because blessing follows obedience, right? Like, God was, said, go there. And I was like, no. He's like, go there. And then I went, and I was blessed. And even more so, Joe didn't even make me pay for the service. He was just wanted to bless me. Like, I was like, this is amazing. And, and now I have a new friend, Joe. Shout out to Joe. So, um, so blessing follows obedience. And don't wait for God to send the cops to your door. Just do it, guys. There's blessing on the other side of it. Go ahead and do it. And so we jump into verse 3. Um, and this is where we talk about us, right? Our name, like what God has named us. Because this is the part where he renames Abram and what God is calling us to. And so it says this, verse 3. At this, Abram fell face down on the ground. Then God said to him, this is my covenant with you. I will make you the father of a multitude of nations. What's more, I'm changing your name. It will no longer be Abram. Instead, you will be called Abraham, for you will be the father of many nations. I will make you extremely fruitful. Your descendants will become many nations, and kings will be among them. And my second point is this. God has a new name for you, and with that, a new purpose. And the first thing that I want to make notice of is that Abram was called Abram for 99 years. You understand this? When he was 99, God appeared to him. So he was called Abram his entire life. Like, this isn't a midlife identity crisis. This is like a post-life identity crisis, right? Where God's saying, I'm changing your name all of a sudden, you know? And, and some of you have thought of yourselves the same way your entire life. And some of you have been calling yourselves Abram your entire life. And your friends have been, and family have called you Abram your entire life. What's, what's Abram? Abram is the person that you think you are. Right? And I hear this all the time, right? People are like, oh, I, I can't do that. That's, that's just not me. And we heard it a lot. I heard a lot over Commission Weekend. People are like, oh, yeah, Commission Weekend, not really my thing, right? I'm hearing it somewhat for our Ensenada trip. Oh, yeah, like, that's for other people. That's really not for me. Check your heart. Um, but I hear it all the time, right? People are like, oh, yeah, I'm an Enneagram too, right? You know, like, I'm, I'm like, that's what other people said about you. But, like, that's not who you are. That's, that's your Abram name, right? And sometimes Abram is the name that we give ourselves, right? Sometimes we say, hey, I'm, I'm a victim, right? That's my name. I'm a, that's my Abram name. I'm a victim. I've, I've been abused. I've been, things have happened to me in my life. It's like, it's not easy for me. This is who I am, you know? I'm, I'm a victim. Or sometimes it's, it's oh, I'm afraid, you know? Like, I'm fearful. There's just so much can go wrong. I'm fearful. And you name yourself that. 
And sometimes it's a name that you were given a long time ago by someone else. Maybe it was a teacher who said, you're never going to make it. And every time you think about doing something new, you, th- you reflect back on that name that was given to you. Oh, I can't make it. You know, I don't, I don't have what it takes. I'm not enough. Or sometimes there's a friend who, who made fun of your appearance. And every time you look at yourself in the mirror, you wear that name. You see that name and you just doubt who you are. Abram is the name, the human given name that we wear every day. And there's something so important about the scripture where God says, what's more, I'm changing your name. I think we overlook how God changes names all the time. Guys, names have so much power. How you view yourself, how you perceive yourself, your identity, what you call yourself has so much power. Do you understand this? What you call yourself holds great power. And God, he's in the business of changing names. Before we get there, we really do need to understand how we call ourselves names and the names that we call ourselves and the things that we call ourselves that God himself hasn't even spoken over us. And so I want to bring us to Genesis 3. This is the fall. This is right before or right after they eat the forbidden fruit. And this is super important. It's heartbreaking, but it's very powerful. It says this. They eat the fruit, and it says this, Genesis 3. At that moment, their eyes were opened. Suddenly, and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. When the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about in the garden. So they hid from the Lord God among the trees. Then the Lord God called to the man, where are you? And now, I honestly, I don't think the Lord was asking where are you for like a geographical location. You know, God knows all of your hiding spots. So I don't think he was saying, oh, like, where are you geographically located? No, I think he was saying, like, where are you? Like, where's your heart at? Like, I've walked through these gardens so many times, and you've never hidden from me before. You've never not wanted to walk with me. Where are you? What happened? Like, where's your heart? And Adam replies, and this is so heartbreaking, he says, he replies, he says, I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. And that to me is just so heart-wrenching. This is one of the most tragic moments in Scripture. And this is the moment where everything is lost. Where God has a realization, and he goes, my, my kids are hiding from me. They, they don't know who they are. They're hiding from me. And God, I can just imagine, with all the despair in his voice, he asks him, he says, who told you that you were naked? Like, who told you that you were naked? Who spoke this to you? Because I didn't tell you that you were naked. I was fine with you. But somewhere, someone told you that you were naked and you started believing a voice that wasn't mine. You started believing what someone said over what I said. And I feel like God's asking us this question about so many different parts of our lives. He's saying to us, who told you that you weren't loved? Because I didn't say that. He's saying, who told you that you're not enough? I didn't speak that over you. I didn't say that to you. Who, who told you that you'd be better off in a divorce? Because I didn't say that. No, I didn't. Someone, someone said that to you. And, and he says, who 
told you, who gave you the name that you wear on your heart every single day? Because I didn't. I didn't say that to you. And somewhere along the line, you have been lied to about who you are. You have been lied to, and you're believing it. You're believing a voice that's not mine. You are not Abram. God's saying, I have a name that I call you, and it's not the name that you're believing about yourself. I have a name that I've written in the book of life, and it is not fearful. It is not alone. It is not unloved. It is your real name. And I think about when God renames people in the Bible and he gives them a new name, he also always gives them a new purpose, right? For Jacob, he renames him Israel. Jacob, the deceiver, he names Israel. You're the father of these 12 tribes, right? When he renames Saul to Paul, he says, Saul the murderer, I'm renaming you to Paul, who you're going to plant churches and minister to the Gentiles, right? With, with Simon, he renames him Peter, and he says, on you I will build my church, right? Every time he gives a new name, he gives a purpose, a new call. And he says, no longer, he says to us, no longer are you going to be called Abram. I'm renaming you. No longer are you going to be called unloved. I'm renaming you. You're called loved, and your purpose is to love others around you. No longer are you going to call yourself fearful. Now you're called courageous, and you're going to take incredible risks in my name, right? And, no, and I hear this all the time. People are saying, people always say, oh, I'm busy. And they're saying it like it's their name, right? Oh, I, I can't do that. I'm too busy, right? And he's saying, no longer are you going to call yourself busy. You're going to call yourself peaceful. And your purpose is to bring rest to the weary, right? He's renaming us. And, and if you're taking notes this morning, I would encourage you to write down, my name is not blank, right? Because every, every one of us is believing a different name. I can name them all. Or I, I couldn't name them all, honestly. But you know the name that you've been calling yourself. My name is not blank. Then I want you to wait and ask God and say, what are you calling me? My name is not blank. Jesus calls me forgiven. Jesus calls me healed. Jesus calls me worth it, Right? I would encourage you to write that down. And many of you, you were called last week at Commission Conference. And that's scary. You know, you're called and you're like, oh, my gosh. And God's trying to give you a new name. And I just want to encourage you, step into that. Let go of your old name. Let go of Abram. Become Abraham. Because it doesn't matter if you're 99 years old. It is never too late for God to tell you who you really are. Amen, church? So, we have learned a few things. We've learned that God just wants to know us. That's his thing. He's like, I want to know you and I want you to know me. And then he says, then, then we've learned that God has a, has a new name for us, right? He's taking our old names away and he's giving us new names. And I want to talk about this third part of the scripture, the blessing. And I'm just following the scripture, guys. Read it yourself. This is how it goes, right? And the blessing. So verse 6, Genesis 17, verse 6, it says, God says this, I will make you extremely fruitful. The descend, your descendants will become many nations and kings will be among them. I will confirm my covenant with you and your descendants. Uh, and your descendants after you from generation to generation. This is the everlasting covenant. I will always be your God and the God of your descendants after you. And I will give you the entire land of Canaan where you now live as a foreigner. To you and your descendants, it will be your, their possession forever and I will be their God. 
My third point, church, is this. The blessed life is the called life. The blessed life is the called life. Because this is how it goes. God calls Abram, right? He calls him out of his native homeland. Calls him. And then he gives him a new identity, right? So calling leads to identity. And from there, that leads straight into blessing. Because once you know who God is, and once you know who you are, then the only option for your life is blessing, right? And, and it can be scary. It is, it's a loaded word because blessing, sometimes God calls you to crazy stuff, right? You know, when I, was, when I graduated college, I graduated with a software engineering degree. And so I, I was a software engineer for a number of years. And during that time, in the middle of it, the Lord said, I'm calling you out of this. I want you to quit your job, and I want you to go into full-time ministry. And I'll be honest, I wasn't that enthused about that call because, you know, software engineer salary is like, mm, and uh, pastor salary is different, you know? Just, just different. And it wasn't, it wasn't that exciting for me. And, and honestly, I had to wrestle with God about this for a while. And this is the funny thing, and I, I, I wish I could tell you the whole story of this transformation. It's a sermon for another time, wink, wink. Um, but I wrestled with God for this, for like a whole summer, asking him, should I, and this is, this is so funny, because I know you guys are doing this too. You're like, did you really say that? You know, should I really do, I knew what he said, you know, but I'm like, God, give me a sign, you know, like, <laughs> confirm it somehow, you know, like, and, and I'm just asking the Lord to, to, Tell me more clear than he already told me that I need to quit my job. And while I'm asking him this, I'm studying the people of Israel, right? And their, their journey from Egypt to the promised land. And in this journey, and growing up, I had known about this because I was raised in the church. But they journey from, the pro, from Egypt to the promised land. It takes them 40 years to get there. 40 years. But during this time in my study, I realized and I learned that the distance from Egypt to the promised land is actually just an 11-day walk. Right? It's very close. And I was like, what on earth? Like, I thought it literally took them 40 years to get there. Like, it was a long journey across the world or something, you know? But I was like, that's really close. Why did they just hang out in the wilderness for 40 years? And then, oh, yeah, that's right. Because the spies came back and they said, oh, there's giants in the promised land. And the people said, oh, we're too scared. Like, they're, they're going to they're gonna defeat us. Those giants are going to kill us, right? We, we know where we're supposed to be going, but we're too scared to go there. And that's when God spoke to me. He goes... Hudson, you keep on asking me for direction, but you're not lost. You're just afraid. And I was like, oh, God, why you got to do me like that, you know? <laughs> All right, God, I get it. I get it. I'll do it. I'll quit my job. So that's what I did. I quit my job, put in my two weeks, and I had this moment uh, working full-time ministry. I was, I was taking a team to Indonesia, and we're doing ministry. It's crazy awesome. People are getting saved left and right all over the place. And I'm on my day off. I'm like surfing Uluwatu, just getting barreled out of my mind, you know. And I had this like views from the office moment, you know, where I'm like hanging out with my, my team. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like this is worth all of the money in the world. Like, if I wasn't, if I had that software salary, I would just spend it on this. Like, oh my goodness. Like, I just realized that I just stepped into the blessed life. And yeah, it took a little bit of a, a giveaway, but I, oh, my life was blessed. And the blessing was tremendous. And it was wonderful. And guys, your call might not be to 
quit your job. That's not for everybody. But my, that's what God spoke to me. But your call might be forgive the person who you're angry with, you know. Or your call might be to give a substantial offering, financial offering. Or your call might just even be, hey, go on the Ensenada trip. Like, I got something for you down there. You know, you know God's saying, I got something for you down there. And you're like, I really don't want to, you know. He's going to send the cops to your door. Tell me. <laughs> but it's scary. Sometimes it's scary. And, and jumping into the blessing is never easy. And so we have in verse 9, the chapter goes on and it says, verse 9, Then God said to Abraham, Your responsibility is to obey the terms of the covenant. You and all your descendants have this continual responsibility. This is the covenant that you and your descendants must keep. Each male among you must be circumcised. You must cut off the flesh of... Oh, okay, Robert, I see what you did there. This is why you didn't want to preach this week. Okay, give it to the new guy. Okay. Wow. Well, if you don't know what circumcision is, Jason's sitting right there. He's a college pastor. He can tell you all about it. So go ahead, ask him after the service. Uh, we don't have to talk about that now. Uh, but here's, here's my bonus point uh, going off of that. Here's my bonus point. Seal it with a covenant, right? The point here is this. It says this in the scripture. It says your responsibility is to obey the terms of the covenant. Is to obey the terms of the covenant. So God says, Hudson, quit your job and you will be blessed. And then I'm like, well, what if I took the blessing and my paycheck? And God's like, like just trying to handle me, right? Because <laughs> I... That was my covenant peace, right? My covenant peace was, was quit my job, right? That's what God was calling, you to, calling me to. And there's always an action piece when God calls you to, and when God gives you a new identity. There's always an action piece. And this is the reason, is that God has a blessing that only Abraham can receive, not Abram. Do you understand this? That only your new identity can receive. And the covenant peace is part of stepping into that new identity. This is all part of the process. It all needs to happen. For God to make you into the person he's calling you to be, you got to do that thing that he's calling you to do. It's all part of the process because Abraham means father of nations. He said, I'm giving you this new identity, but this is your covenant. To be the father of nations, you got to do this. And I know some of you already have a call and... You know what your covenant peace is, but you're just, like, chewing on it. You're like, eh, I don't really want to do that. And I just want to say to you, like, it's either time that you reject him and just be like, yeah, I'm not going to do it, or you go all in. Because that in-between space, that wilderness, it, it's not a fun place. Like, it's got all of the burden but none of the blessing. Like, trust me, I basically built my house and lived there for, like, a long time it's not fun. You want to get out of that space immediately. That is the wilderness, right? That's before the promised land, but after Egypt. So just go for it. And, and so verse 15, it says this. Then God said to Abraham, regarding Sarai, your wife, her name will no longer be Sarai. For now, from now on, her name will be Sarah. And I will bless her and give you a son from her. Yes, I will bless her richly. And she will become the mother of many nations. Kings of nations will be among her descendants. And my last point is this. Stepping into your God-given identity will bless everyone around you. See this? Sarai 
got a name change and a blessing because Abraham was obedient. Abraham's obedience led to that blessing. And I know it's hard. I know it's scary. But if you're not going to do it for yourself, do it for us. Do it for your family. Because we, as this church, we need you to be exactly who God has called you to be. We need it. So do it for us. Why don't we stand up?